Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras, episode number 110. And in this episode, we're going to talk to Shannon Day. And Shannon was one of the very first Run Your First 50K group members. And we're sort of coming into this cool time of year now where everybody who did the Run Your First 50K program at the very beginning of the year, they are starting to get to this point of completing their races. So I have a bunch of these interviews lined up. They're not really interviews. They're more conversations um, with all of the group participants so that you can really hear the experiences of all of these women. And no two first 50Ks are alike. And really, again, you guys know my mission, helping 10,000 women run their first 50K. And I firmly believe that the more conversations like this that you hear, the more you will start to see yourselves in these women and start to understand that running ultras isn't just for a very specific subset of humans, particularly maybe the ones that you see on the YouTube documentaries, the ones that are maybe super fast, very tall, very skinny, right? There are a wide variety of people that run ultras. And my point of doing these conversations is to help you see that no two people are alike and that you can sign up for a 50k and overcome any obstacle that is put in front of you. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Shannon Day. All right. So Shannon, tell us, give us all the details. Shannon, who are you? How did we come to meet all the things. We want to know all the things about Shannon. All the things. Um, I am in Colorado and I found you. I'm not actually sure how I found you, but somehow on Instagram, I think it came up, run your first ultra maybe. And you were offering or talking about the run group run your first 50k and I had already signed up for my first 55k which was going to be in October so this was sometime in the spring and uh, full disclosure I was really doing nothing um, to be prepared for running my first 50k and I thought oh I like I just needed kind of something something a little bit different and so you had posted about it also, full disclosure, when I went and filled it out, I thought it was like a join this and see if you win to get like I why it didn't occur to me that hey, I was signing up to do this and gonna have to pay for it. Um, but that I, I I've never shared that with you, but I find that's it so funny. <laughs> I do find it pretty amusing for myself that I was like, sweet, here's this free thing, but. Um, I did invest the money, which was very reasonable and time because I just thought it would be great to meet some other women who feel like spending eight or nine hours on a trail by themselves or maybe with some others would be a good idea um, and just needed a little bit of focus or way to focus my training and get myself going. So that was awesome. Um, joined that in the spring and learned a lot, met some fun people doing that and got to my first 55K in October. Woohoo! 
Well, you went like super fast there. So let's back up. Talk to me about how, like, when did you first start running? Maybe like, what was your progression? Did you just go straight to 55K or did you do some races up to like before there, like half marathon, marathon? What was the progression? Great question. I have been running for just about 10 years. I started early in my early 40s. And really the reason that I started was because both my husband and my daughter were very athletic. Pretty much anything that they tried, they could do. I, however, was not. And so I he was working with a coach at the time, I think maybe doing triathlons or something. And so one day I went with him while he was doing his training and just sat next to her and chatted with her. And I said, you know, what would it look like to coach me for running? And she said, well, what's your goal? Like, what do you want to accomplish? I kid you not. What I said to her was, well, I'd like running not to be so painful for me or anyone who happens to observe me. (laughs) (laughs) was my motivation. And um, she just kind of looked at me like, okay. So she's like, well, let's pick an event. Like, let's pick a race. And this was in the fall. And I said, sure, you know, tell me some. I wasn't familiar really at all. Had done some 5Ks up till then, but again, had never really been a runner or done that. And so she talks about the Colorado Half Marathon, which was, I think it's in like May. And I said to her, I was like, man, you and I were having such a great conversation. We were heading down the same track. Things were going so well. And we just derailed, like, I am not running a half marathon. And she was pretty much like, you know, okay, well, I think you can do it. And if you want me to work with you, that's what we're (laughs) going to set as a goal. So I was like, all right. Because again, I wanted something so I could feel like this part with my family, have something in common with the other two people in my family. So started running in the fall of, I guess, 2011. Um, Did my first half marathon, did do the Colorado half in 2012. That was super fun. Um, She's also the one who got me into trail running. So just like, I don't, running on the roads and doing that kind of thing was fine. But around that winter, it wasn't very long that I had worked with her. And she said something to me, like, I think you should try trails. I think you'll enjoy that. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know. Like, she's like, Shan, just try it. Ah, yes. Like I fell in love. Amazing. And from that point forward, I was like, all right, let's do this. So I'm pretty sure, I don't know, I'd have to look back in my training or calendar, but I feel like that same first year, that fall, I also ran um, Breckenridge Mm. half marathon, um, which was really cool. So yeah, so then I, I started running those, you know, and she'd always just kind of push a little bit. She's like, how about a marathon, Mm -hmm. you know, trail marathon? I was like, ooh. And um, I was like, okay. So yeah, so between my 55K from back when I started running, I've done the Colorado Half, I think is the only like road marathon that I've done. And I've done it a couple of times. 
very pretty. If anyone ever wants to come out to Colorado and do a road marathon where they drive you up and then you get to run down the Poudre Canyon, it's beautiful. Um, I've done the horse tooth half a couple of times, tons and tons of climbing. Now I like to volunteer mm -hmm. for that marathon and I volunteer on Monster Hill, which is really fun cheering people on their way up. Uh, on that one. But then I've run in Breckenridge. It's the Breck Crest. I've run both the half and the full. Um, I have run, then we went to Moab. There was a race one day I was just Googling and I found a marathon in Moab, which is held the first weekend in November. Uh, again, I, Moab is my place. Like, ah, uh, I love running in Moab. It is just, that place is so grounding and so yeah spiritual like there's just whatever your beliefs are like there there is just this connection so I've run that one a couple of times I've done the red hot 33k oh I take it back I also did the other half that was in Moab they hold the the first half like in the spring and then in the fall they do the other half um, so that's fun. I've run in Leadville. I've done their heavy half a couple of times and I've done the full once. That's a hard race. Um, I've done the golden leaf half, which is amazing. Um, and then, yeah, knocked out my first 55 K this year in October. So that's a little bit. So, but then like, so what made you decide to jump from you know, like, cause you, you have a long list of halves and fulls sort of in that list. And then, so what sort of pushed you over the edge? I mean, your coach and your family sort of pushed you over those first initial edges. So what made you sort of dip your toe into the idea at first of running an ultra? Yeah. Well, one day I think I was Google, like just looking at stuff. Right. And, you know, in your feed, once you start following like trail running and you see these things, events will come up. I'll tell you actually, before even doing this 55 K I was initially registered back in 2020 to do the Antelope Canyon 50 mile. Mm. So I was going from full marathon trail marathon to a 50 mile was my plan. That was not a well-laid plan because I, I had not, I really was not trained well for it. Um, then, of course, 2020, mm -hmm. we know COVID happened mm -hmm. and it just felt like a lot. So emailed them and they're like, yep, we'll let you put it off, you know, to next year. So deferred it. And then we all know what happened in, in 2020. So then I thought all right, like, let's get going. And when you ask what had me go from doing a marathon to wanting to like push and do that extra, I guess I'm going to say a lot of what you sometimes say, like, why not? Right? Can I do it? I think I can, but let's see if I can. Also, the other thing that I love about the trails is you get to run in places and see things a lot of times that you otherwise wouldn't, or you have to be mm -hmm. really good at navigating with maps and things. I 
that is a skill that I do not as of yet have, nor do I know if it's one I plan on developing in the, the remainder of my life. So being able to go run in these places where I get to follow um, little blue flags or yellow mm. flags, right, to get to go be in places and see things that otherwise I wouldn't, that for me is a, a big motivation mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, I think really it was just, why not? Can I do this? But most people don't go from marathon to 50 miles. Why not? They go like marathon to, you know, 50K. (laughs) So I'm curious as to how you got it in your head that you were just going to double down. We're just going to double the mileage. Honestly, (laughs) I don't know. Like, I don't know what made me. I saw that that, um, 50 miler and... It looked beautiful. Oh, yeah. I'm an all or nothing person. So to me, like, sure, I've run some halves or fulls and run them like lead wheels high. You, you know, you start at nine something and run up to 13.3. Breckenridge is also high. So when I think about the fact that I live in Colorado and these events that I've done have been at this sort of elevation, and then I see this one in Arizona in this beautiful space without that elevation and without, of course, logically, my mind goes, sure, Shan, like, yeah, it's it's a few more miles, but you're not going to have to contend with elevation, which is equivalent to additional miles. So I think you'll be fine. Isn't it great how we rationalize these things? It's like you're sort of doing the mental gymnastics of relating apples to oranges. And it's just so this is sort of why I like was sort of poking around with this question, because I think this process is pretty common amongst people who are trying to make that jump. And I always like to hear how we have justified to ourselves and then to the rest of the world sometimes why we have chosen to go from one race distance to the next, to the next, to the next, and why maybe we make these big jumps or these little jumps. And it's, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I just find the process very interesting from like a mindset perspective, because I think this plays into our decision-making process on the whole and the process of training and achieving the outcome that we want. So I always just, you know me, I like to sort of dig into these like darker recesses of our brains to sort of figure it out. So I was curious and I wanted you to to share with everybody because I knew that about you, but you know, they didn't know that about you. Yeah. (laughs) So you settled on a 55 K instead. So we, we deferred the 50 miler and we decided to, to do the, I say we, you, you decided to do the 55 (laughs) K instead. You were there in spirit. It was there in spirit. Uh, You're right. Yeah. So then again, I think one day either just something that I follow it came up or I started Googling. I was like, you know, come on, Shan, get yourself going again. It's one of those things too, that sometimes to me is so frustrating. I love trail running. Hmm. I love being on the trails and it's frustrating sometimes how easily just life kind of gets in the way of that. I get out of my schedule, my routine. And, you know, before you know it, like a week's gone by and I've done just a super simple trail in town, Mm -hmm. or I've only done a walk or there's weeks that I don't run. And I think, why am I doing this? Because I love this. And I have done events where I have stuck to my training plan 
and I say stuck to, right? Not a hundred percent. It's never been a hundred percent, but I've consistently trained for an event, mm-hmm. get to that event and absolutely love it. Not because I won, not because, but like I accomplished it. I felt good doing it. I could push myself, enjoyed it. And then I've done events when like I wasn't as well-trained, but I knew I could do it. I think when you ask that too, about going from the marathon to the 50 miler, I've gone and done a trail marathon a couple of times, knowing if nothing else, I could walk it, like knowing I wasn't trained as well as I could be. But it's one of those where I'm like, I've done this distance. I, I know this, I could go do it. I didn't Mm -hmm. know that about a 50 miler. And I think again, for myself and my personality, I maybe needed something to like kind of push me to that. So again, I was just scrolling, saw stuff and the Crested Butte Ultra came up. It's put on by Mad Moose Events. They offered a 35K, 55K and a 50 miler. So I thought, oh, let me sign up for this 55K. That'd be a good, you know, jump. Um, Sometimes I still kind of chuckle and laugh about like, again, why did I pick you know, an event that starts at like the lowest point was 8,800 some odd feet and you climb to like almost like 11.3. Great first, you know, 55K to to go attempt. But I knew it was going to be beautiful. It was held the first weekend in October in the mountains. So I thought like, it's going to be gorgeous, you know, with the trees Mm -hmm. and everything. So yeah, decided to sign up for that and do that. Again, thankfully found you because I needed that extra motivation to help get me there. So yeah, so tell everybody, I, it's, it's a little fuzzy for me. I, I don't quite remember, but tell everybody when you, when we started working together, how many weeks did you have until race day? Oof. May, June, July, August. So you September, October. So you did have ample time, right? Yeah. You did have ample time. Yeah. I was like, I feel like it was close to the 20 weeks, which is what you talk about, Mm -hmm. or maybe just a little bit less when we started, um, which was great timing. Like that couldn't have worked out more perfectly. Some of the women who were in our group were like, I'm running my event in three weeks. And I was like, woof, go you, go you. (laughs) So it was really nice to, to have the 20 weeks. And I think when I talked about being an all or nothing person, I sometimes, not sometimes, I approach training that way as well. And this has been something Mm. that I've really been trying to work on because honestly, sometimes like shit happens, right? Mm. Or things happen if we need to not say that word. Things happen. (laughs) No, we swear on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I could have like had planned for the day that I was going to go run whatever it is. And then, you know, I get a call from, you know, someone, maybe my mom, and I need to go help with something or I need to make an adjustment because of work, like something like that. And so I typically have the mindset that, well if I can't do everything that I was supposed to do for the training, then I'm just not going to do it. And I'll pick it up again tomorrow. Guess what? Tomorrow comes, well, because I didn't do what I was, you know, supposed to do, quote unquote, what was in my training plan. 
even a little bit, like it's just easier than to miss that next day and the next day and the next day. So one of, and again, my former coach used to say this too, but I just feel like you really drove this point home of it doesn't have to be perfect. And doing something is always going to be better than nothing. The importance of, there are some days literally where I'll do my shakedown and do some rolling and additional stretching. And I call that good because that's just Mm -hmm. what the day needs. But I know I at least got myself doing something that day so that I can build on that the next day. Yeah. I think that's super important. And I do remember uh, specifically in your group talking about that a lot and, and every group is different um, in terms of where people are at with their running, what races they're doing, the timing and all of that, where they are mentally in the process of figuring out, can I do this? Can't I do this? What are the things, what are the steps I need to take? What are the things I need to do? But I specifically remember talking a lot about something is better than nothing with your group because we had a lot of all or nothing people in there. And that more than almost anything else maybe second only to the shakedown. Like if those are the only two things that I teach someone in a group or when I work with them, I'm very happy about that because I know that those things will set them up for success. If they, as long as they adopt them wholeheartedly, they'll have success down the line. If they are sort of still in the all or nothing camp, it can be, and some days I'm also in that camp, but it can be very difficult when you let the nothing mentality build momentum because then it's just like, well, I didn't do anything yesterday. So what's the point in doing it today? And like, I have this huge obstacle that I now have to overcome, which is in my mind getting over this hump of I've done nothing for two days. Now I have to generate the internal excitement and momentum to push myself to do the thing on the third day. And When we think that that third day or whatever day it is that we restart training has to look like the day that we left off, that's where we start to get in trouble because, you know, the mountain at the very bottom always looks enormous. And so if we can just look at what's four to six feet in front of us, taking those first few steps, that will be much more manageable. And eventually over time, you just keep doing that. I mean, that's like the... (laughs) The secret to all of this is that like if, you know, I'm giving away all the secrets here on throughout this whole podcast, but basically that's the secret to ultra training. Just put literally and figuratively put one foot in front of the other, figure it out as you go and don't expect it to be perfect and don't necessarily expect it to be easy, but you will most certainly get it done if you attack it with that mentality. That consistency piece is so important and definitely something Mm -hmm. I I took from that. Learning about the shakedowns Mm -hmm. too was huge. Anyone who's listening, if you haven't started doing shakedowns, do them. Those are amazing. Um, And yeah, like, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about like my training for it or some of the things that I faced or are you interested in hearing about any of yeah. that? Yeah. Tell us all, tell us um, all the stuff. So when you, when you officially started training, 
how do you remember how many miles you were doing a week? Was it nothing? Did you start from zero? Did you already have a little bit of a base? Uh, when I joined Run Your First 50K, yeah, I, I probably was starting at like zero, right? <laughs> I've got a nice, a, a nice base that sits in there and that I know I've done this before, but I think I was running occasionally, maybe once or twice a week, yeah. nothing consistent. So yeah. The training plan was huge. Um, also definitely made me have even more respect for my coach before because, boy, having to like figure out the training, that is a job in itself. And so I love just how well you've laid that out and then just having to trust myself with what I know about my body and what's worked and take your knowledge and put all of that together to build that training plan was mm. huge. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely was not running four days a week when, when I started with the plan. So I mm-hmm. uh, started with that and then got like, had a couple of things. My daughter decided to move out of state which was great. Love that for her. Very happy. Um, as a mom, not so thrilled, but also required like some work for me. And then I had a really good friend also decide to move out of state and moved back East, um, helped out with that move. So like I had some of those things happen that Mm. just kind of threw a little bit of a, I should say wrench into training. It made it really difficult to be as consistent The one thing, though, that again, going back to that consistent piece was just helping with those two moves. I knew that I was not going to be able to run the miles that were slated for that Mm -hmm. week. So being okay with that, like having that conversation Mm -hmm. with myself and being like, that's fine, Shannon. So just run like run anyway and run what you can or run two Mm -hmm. times throughout the day or throw in some walks, right. On a cross country drive, when you stop, like do some laps. I think you and I even talked about it. You're like, do some laps around the gas station, like whatever it took just to stay on my feet because taking care of your feet is like one of the biggest things. Right. And just having your feet prepared to be out there um, for that time. And then kind of got all that settled. Beginning of September, I was like, sweet. I have like four weeks, four or five weeks out. Um, I was actually dog sitting in Boulder, which I was super looking forward to because there's some great trails over there that I was going to be able to run. Mm -hmm. Like, let me knock out a couple weekends of some long runs and then start to pare down. So this first weekend that I'm supposed to have some long runs, um, I sprained my ankle. And I started crying immediately. Um, Thank goodness I was relatively close to the car when that happened. But I just, yeah, I started crying. One, because it hurt like hell. Um, And two, because the first thought in my head was, like, I'm a month out. Like, really? Yeah. so got back to the house, like was laying on the couch, crying, whining, my ankles swelling. I remembered conversations that we'd had in the Run Your First 50K about when things swell and, you know, ways to treat that. Also such a fluke, but so happened that day that my person who does body work for me, I had seen her like a week and a half before. She like sends me a text to check in. She's like, hey, how are you feeling? And I was like, 
well, so then told her about my ankle. That was awesome because then she's like, no, 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 you know, like this, this, this. Yeah. I'd already been doing mobility work from you. Another huge thing Mm -hmm. that I got from Run Your First 50K is the mobility work and Mm -hmm. had been doing mobility work for ankles, knees, hips. Megan, I have to tell you, like I, had I not been doing that, that ankle sprain would have been so much worse. Like I, I know that for sure because it's my, I, I no longer refer to her as my bad ankle. Um, I refer to her now (laughs) as my, um, consistently improving or constantly improving ankle. Um, but like I walk around with her in a swollen state constantly. Um, it, it is the ankle that if I'm going to twist, it's probably going to be that one. So, so grateful. And I started immediately mobility work. Um, I used to like just right after an activity for 10 minutes, that was it. And only if needed, Mm -hmm. um, legs up the wall at night before bed and next day, again, just mobility, like, you know, and I really thought that this ankle sprain was going to take me out of being able to do the 55k. The main reason mm-hmm. that I thought that was because I'm like, I just had not, well, I'm going to say I had not had time and or I had not made sure to have the time to get in the long runs that I felt like I really needed. Yeah. And so, yeah. which was what I was going to do the weekend I sprained it and the next weekend. So I was like, this isn't going to happen. Again, another complete like fluke, but my former running coach, now great friend, called one day and was just like, hey, how are you? We're just chatting. So then she's like, how's training going? So I explained to her and I said, I'm really thinking of dropping down to the 35K. Also, I shouldn't say dropping down because that like it's not a drop. Like I'm thinking I'm going to have to change my distance and do the 35K instead of the 55K. So her and I kind of talked through it. Again, remember, this was the woman talking to me when I've never run. And she says, let's pick an event. And the event she throws out there is a half marathon. A woman <laughs> yes. after my own heart. And you two would totally get along. <laughs> um, and she says to me, like, Shannon, you can do this. And kind of yeah. laid out, like, you know, have you run yet? I had done, like, one. So we talked through how to get back to that and how to do it. And I remember at one point I text her like a couple weeks later. So then complete mind shift because I'd already been thinking I was going to do the 35K. Now it's mentally getting myself back to, no, like mm-hmm. you can do this. Like JL thinks you could mm-hmm. do this. You've got the training from Megan. Like, you know, you've got all these things. Also very nice. This 55K I feel like has a, a generous time limit. So that was a bonus. Mm-hmm. Um And so I text her at one point a few weeks out just saying like, hey, so my longest run has only been X, whatever it had been. And are we sure I could do this? Her text back was just keep running. You've got this. (laughs) And I was like, okay. So yeah, so I did. And then we got to the day. (laughs) This is so silly on my part too. So because I think without realizing it, my body was clearly still kind of compensating for this ankle. So I started having sort of some funky things 
a little bit on my left, but more than anything, what I noticed was blisters in places on my feet that I had never gotten them before. So I was like, okay, this is strange. So the day of the run, I planned, I took an extra pair of socks with me. I was like, when I get up to the top or hit one of these points, I'll go ahead and change socks. Um, You know, so I had my trail toes with me to be able to put on. Like I had all this thinking about my feet and about these blisters because I'm like, I am not going to let these blisters take me out of this. Mm -hmm. So we're cruising along. Um... And I come to a water crossing. There was not a description of this course anywhere. Like you saw a map, but there's no description. I come to a water crossing and I just look at it and I'm like, really? Like, really? (laughs) And then my next thought was, Shannon, you are running in the mountains You've done enough of these. Of course, there's going to be a water crossing. (laughs) Um, Mind you, Megan, there was not just one. There there were a handful of, uh, there was even one spot where we like had to walk just down the river for not, not quite a quarter of a mile, but it was a decent little pace. Then weather came in. So then I was also in mud and snow and rain. Um, so yeah, my feet were completely sopping wet. So when we talk about like best laid plans, right. And, and doing what, what it is that you need to do. I was prepared for X and instead, you know, M happened. Right. And I just, I just like had to go with that, but yeah, that was really funny. So if anyone ever decides to come run in Colorado, or maybe you already have and do a trail run, just pretty much expect a water crossing because it's going to happen. And the unexpected too. I mean, in terms of weather, I mean, I, I say that a lot about the Northeast too. You could, you could make the argument that it, that it happens anywhere, but it's one of the things that we talk about a lot is like people get very hyper-focused on what can I expect to happen at my race at this time of year, at this time of day in these weather conditions. And I always, always, always say to them, okay, that's great. Definitely make a plan and do your research and try and figure out what the weather's going to be like. And then also just plan on anything else potentially happening because you never, you never, never know. Because again, especially if the, if the course doesn't call out a water crossing, you know, who was it? Um, Sheila was very concerned about I her totally water thought crossing. about her. her. Sheila came to my mind a hundred percent. And I was like, if she were here, she would just turn around and go back. She'd be like, nope, I'm not getting my feet wet. But I thought about her a hundred percent. Well, it's what's funny with Sheila is that um, another friend of ours, another running coach friend of ours, Mindy, got Sheila to go out and you know, we had talked about it. I said, we, we talked about it in the group. I said, Sheila, go out, get your, soak your feet in a bucket of water and then go out and run around your neighborhood. Like if you're worried about doing it while you're out on the trails, like start here, like do this. And so Mindy, Mindy managed to convince her to go out and do a, a run and get wet. And she came back and she was like, oh yeah, that, you know, nope. I right. made it out in my head to be so much more than it really was. And I, and that's, you know, part of the process like we have to, during the training process, if we anticipate a particular type of weather condition or a particular type of trail, we have to be prepared and 
practice and test it out to the best of our ability so that we knock it down in our heads. Because oftentimes, and I've done this too, I'm sure you have examples of it too, where, you know, we think, oh, this is going to be so terrible. And then you get there or you practice the thing and you're like, okay, well, that wasn't really that bad, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. And that's part of the process. And, and we go through that from start to finish. I think that's really the whole process of training too. It's like, we are excited and terrified and nervous and scared and we're like stoked to start this thing and like to accomplish this goal. But then all along the way, we're, we're terrified of the next thing that's going to happen. And then we just have to, you know, again, going back to that mountain analogy, don't look at the top, just look at the, what's in front of you work with what is here and then just keep going. And eventually before you know it, you'll be at the top. And when you turn around, you'll, you'll get to look at all of the things that you were able to have overcome. And to your point to have learned along the way so that you get to the point, which I love that you made earlier, because this is sort of how I feel now about 50 K distance where you're like, yeah, I've done that before. I could reasonably, you know, show up to, you know, a 50 K and do it. I'll run some, I'll walk some, you know, do, do that kind of a thing. Um, and I, I do think that you, you get to a point after a certain amount of time where you build up enough evidence to yourself that you're capable of doing halves or fulls or 50 Ks that you're like, yeah, I know, I know what that takes. Like I can do that. So leading up, so you did all your, all your training. Was there, was there one thing in particular that was the like most challenging for you? Some aspect of the training that, I mean, aside from the consistency, cause you sort of talked about all the challenges that you faced. I think you even, you even got sick at one point during your training too, right? Like you were, you were quite sick. You had to take a couple weeks off. Yeah. I think I remember yeah. we had that conversation, like, what do I do? <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, I did. I did get sick, was sick for a couple of weeks. And then actually after that had issues breathing. Um, yeah, t- forgot about that piece. Thanks. Uh, yeah, definitely hit, hit a few um, challenges. I, I don't, I don't think there was anything that was per se more challenging mm-hmm. than another. Um, I think one thing that I did notice I don't feel like I did enough or didn't have enough strength training. That wasn't something that hmm. I think if we're going to talk challenge, challenge is trying to figure out how to fit it all in. I even hmm. feel like I asked you this question because then I did um, one of your bulletproof your knees. And mm-hmm. So that was a fun group to be in too, because not everyone in there were like, we didn't necessarily talk a lot, but they weren't all ultra runners or people who want to do that was kind of varied. And I remember asking you in one of our sessions, like, okay, so I have shakedown, I have, you know, my run or whatever my other workout is. And then now I have this knee mobility work, like, how am I supposed to get all this done? And again, I love that part of just as you start to know it, I could be working and often when I'm working, I endeavor to at least once an hour, get up and move around. So it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. then go stand by a wall and do these couple of exercises from here, you know, knee mobility work. I find myself now when I'm standing in line for things, I'm totally standing there doing like ankle rolls, sometimes like, you know, my feet like around the world and in public, I'll do my yep. knees too. I don't necessarily go like for the whole hip swing kind of thing. <laughs> I 
<laughs> You're not, not there, yet. there yet. But who knows? One day I'm, I'm just going to be like, sorry, I got to get this part of my workout in, right? But I find myself doing like pieces like that. So I think just the challenge of, of fitting it all in, and I feel like I'm going to put that in quotes because more it's mm-hmm. the shakedown to me. And then when you are doing your workouts helps highlight areas that you need to work on. And so then being able to go and look at what mobility exercises would be good for these. And again, just throwing that Mm -hmm. in, in a break during work when I'm online somewhere, I am not a big TV watcher. So for any who watch TV, I'm like, would the occasionally when I do, I'm like, so get on the floor and do my mobility stuff while Mm -hmm. I'm on the floor, right. Or roll. Yep. While I'm on the floor, stretch, whatever it is, if I'm watching something. So I think doing those yep. pieces probably I'd say would, would have been the, the challenge. So you get all the way to, you get through all of your training, you overcome. And I, I, I don't mean to like, I didn't want to like highlight that you were sick, but I wanted to sort of like point out to people that you had a whole set of, you know, challenges that you encountered along the way and you persevered through the whole thing to get yourself to this 55k mark because there are lots of people that are hearing this that would abandon ship so to speak at the first time you needed to move someone across the country or the second time or when you got sick or when you rolled your ankle and I think it just goes to show that and we talk about that in the group that you know we're not striving for a hundred percent uh, compliance. I always use the, use the word compliance. Like we're not trying to get every single workout completed. We're, we're basically trying for 80% knowing that life is going to happen and then figuring out how to make those adjustments on the fly. Like you talked about when I, cause I can specifically remember having our, our one-on-one call together and you being like, all right, I need to drive across country and I know that I'm not going to be able to get all these miles in. Like what, what can I do? Like, what are some of the things? And yeah, we talked about like taking laps around the hotel parking lot or like around the gas station or, you know, trying to find a local trail and, you know, just do like a mile or something to keep the streak alive. Sort of like we talked about, not necessarily a running streak, but a movement slash training streak where in your brain, you're keeping that momentum and you're not having these breaks or large chunks of time pass or elapse where you're not doing something that, that puts uh, some money in the training bank, so to speak. Right. Right. So race day comes. Are you nervous on race day? How are you feeling? Yes. Nervous. I, we went up to Crested Butte, um, a couple of days before I was running on a Saturday. We got up there Thursday night, which I really liked just being able to have a day there. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. I have friends, like I, I say to my friends, none of them run, Um, They're all supportive of me running, um, but they all enjoy hiking. They like being outside. So I'll say, hey, guys, I've signed up for this event. Do you want to go? They'll be like, yeah, we'll go. Right. So a group of us go up and I definitely felt more nerves even like kind of before. I think I definitely had a question in my head of am I going to be able to do this? Um, I had, that was sitting with me a lot. Um, and so, yeah, there definitely was some anxious, nervous tension with that. I had another friend who 
um, a woman that I used to work with and, and we became friends. Her husband's also a runner. And when I had registered for the 55K, him and I happened to be texting that day about something else. And so I sent it to him. I go, hey, look what I did. And I said, they do have a 35K because he doesn't usually run longer distances. And so then either later that day or the next day, I got a text back from him with a picture of his registration. He's like, look what I did. And it was for the 55K. I was like, all right. So um, they picked myself and my daughter up. We went to the start line. As we're driving to the start line, I look at the mountains and I was like, is that snow? Like, <laughs> that was not there yesterday. Like that is snow. And so that was kind of like a oof. Um, so anyway, it was, uh, the sunrise, it was, mm. it was beautiful. Um, so the 50 milers had started an hour before us. We get there. I need to go to the bathroom. I go get online, um, you know, do what I got to do there, come back. Pretty much they're getting ready to start us. And I'm like, I never saw anything about how the course was going to mark or any of this. Thank goodness my daughter who like knows just how these things work. She's like, okay, mom, you're looking for blue flags at this rest. Like she gives me the the rundown. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> listening. Um, so she gives me the rundown and I take off, I take off. I knew that I was going to be slow. Like mm -hmm. I knew that and have no problem with that. And yeah, so they were gone. Like I, everyone was gone and I'm just back here, like so grateful that Mad Moose marked the course really well. Um, that's very important to those of us in the back. Um, and yeah, I had a plan of needing to stay hydrated. I got a different pack so that I could have water on my back and then be able to have two water bottles um, in the front that I filled with electrolyte drinks. Um, had plenty of food, some salt tablets, which I also learned from someone in the Run Your First 55K. Never knew that was a thing. So that was a great thing that I got from that. Um, and my plan was like, I just tried to drink consistently because it's cooler sometimes, mm -hmm. right? It's a little bit harder to mm -hmm. make sure you keep yourself hydrated. Um, and then every 15 to 20 minutes I took in calories. That was my plan. I'm not, I don't necessarily know amount or count specific, but I'm just like, feed yourself every 15 to 20 minutes. And I kind of varied it so that it wasn't just all mm -hmm. chews, yeah. you know, cause that can get long. Um, and then, yeah, I just knew I had a couple specific, like there was one, um, I was going to call it a rest area. They're not rest areas. When you're on a trail run. You had uh, road trip in your head. So you were thinking road trip rest areas. I did. So, um, an aid station that I, you came to the same aid station. I think it was my second one and it was both your second and your third one. So mm -hmm. you got to it and then you did a big loop, which was the bulk of the climbing and then came back to it. And you had to hit that spot like by a certain time. Otherwise mm -hmm. that was where they pulled you. And so that really was my main focus mm -hmm. because I knew once I made that that time cutoff, I knew at that point that I, I would finish, even if it meant crawling on my hands and knees. Um, I knew that I would finish if I could hit that. 
And I did. And it was also super fun because my daughter and then um, friend, Joe's wife, were both there Mm. uh, when I came into that aid station. So that was really fun to see them. And it's, I love it. My daughter said to me, she's like, mom, like, how did that feel? And she said, did you, she's like, I wish you could have seen yourself coming in because before I'd even seen them or knew they were there, I didn't expect to see them. She's like, you're just coming down. You just have this big smile on your face. And you just, you know, I don't know, Megan, if you ever get this, but I'll find this even on, on training runs or that I'm out there and I feel myself like I'm just smiling. Yeah. Yeah. Because, ah, it is just so, yeah. There was also this piece in the run. It was somewhere between aid station one and aid station two. I think because I was so focused on being able to to make that cut off of hitting their aid station three that sometimes I forget a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. That part of the trail, ah, so good. It was like kind of like forest-like, mm-hmm. sick single track, mm-hmm. roots, rocks down up and it wasn't like outrageously muddy yet so you Mm. could still navigate it pretty well oh man sometimes like I still now just think about that part of the trail and like my palms even as I'm telling you about it right now like my palms get kind of tingly and like ah that part of the trail was so so good um well, there's no substitute for like a really good section of trail where you can get into a flow and you just put your feet down, pick them up and, and it just sort of works and you don't have to really think hard about it, yeah. especially like here in the Northeast, we have a lot of rocks, a lot of roots, a lot of stuff on the trail sometimes. And lots of these trails can be very technical in that sense. They're not necessarily super steep or, um, off camber, they just have a lot of obstacles in them. So sometimes those runs, they don't, you don't really get into that flow state. So when you, when I find a spot, I agree with you. There's a couple places that I can think of off the top of my head where I'm just like, oh man, there's this one section between these two peaks that I run. It's sort of like in the saddle section and it's sort of like an enchanted forest and it's like covered in like pine needles and there's there's no one there is literally no one around for miles no one hardly ever uses this particular section and when I have to like go up and then go down to get to this section and then when I'm in the middle it's super quiet and I can just sort of run and it sort of works and then I have to go up and back down again to get to the other end but I, I I'll often do over and back again Mm-hmm. and um, it's about 10 miles total over and back. But that little middle section is my favorite part. And it's just like, oh, if I can just get there, it's going to be so nice and I can run. Because the rest of the time I'm, sometimes I'm hand over fist to do a little scramble. Sometimes I'm, you know, having to make these big steps up and hiking more than I'm running. So that little one section of that trail is one of the places that I sort of like my happy place that I love to go to. So I yeah. totally can relate to being like, Oh yes, this is such a good section of trail. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. It was so much fun. And then on my climb, as I started the the climb up, the weather came in. Um, and it was thunder. It was lightning. It was right on top of me. Um, it was rain. I didn't really get hail. Um, Joe, who was running and was 
way far ahead of me. <laughs> he actually had to sit for like 10 minutes under a tree because he was getting ready to go like out. There was a little group of them. They were getting ready to like go across a meadow. Oh, it was yeah. wide open. And they're like, no, nah, we're not going to do this because they were getting hailed on. So I, I think I got a better, I was in a better spot for the storm <laughs> up at the top. I was also all by myself. Like mm-hmm. there's kind of nothing like being out there when it's snowing mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it, that was amazing. That's when the really fast 50 milers would pass me. So there was just like a couple of them. I'd be like, Hey, look at you guys go. Um, and then coming down was also quite the challenge because it was mud. Mm. Like you have to, all the 55 cares had been ahead of me. So the trails already, you know, run pretty mm-hmm. good because of that. It had rained the day before and then now it's raining and snowing. So there was one point that I really debated with myself of just sitting down and sliding on my butt yeah. down the hill because yep. I was like, that's got to be faster than what I'm doing right now. And this is so slow. And I also don't want to sprain an ankle, right? Mm-hmm. Or it, you know, aggravate the one that's already kind of aggravated. Um, Needless to say, I did talk myself out of that because I'm like, Shan, you've got a lot, a lot of miles to go. And I don't think you want to be that covered in mud <laughs> for the remainder of, of the event. So I chose not to do that, but that was definitely a, ch- a challenging piece. And again, something I hadn't really thought about, mm. you know, and it was steep. Like, I mean, it was s- steep climbing up and it was steep coming down. So definitely slow on that, but yeah, I had headphones with me. I don't typically do headphones. You know, I do one in, one out. Mm-hmm. Um, I did for training for this, just on the times that I could get out there because I am, s- my pace tends to be a little slower. So, you know, when I need to go get in a little bit longer mileage, I'm out there for a while. Yeah. So I'm like, I should really be using this time. So listen to books. I had my headphones with me because I thought, well, on that climb up, I'll like listen to something. Yeah, good distraction. Um, but I never did. Like I totally was just there in it, in the nature, in the sounds, in the smells, in the beauty. And also just thinking to myself, like, damn girl, like you're doing it. Like you are doing this and doesn't matter how long it takes. Doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you know, so that was cool. That's one of my favorite feelings too, is just like checking out of technology and, you know, all the, all the things that, that you might want to put in, you know, like into your head into the headphones and music or podcasts or whatever, and just really sort of tuning into like being where you are, especially if you can get that cool trail. And it just sort of, like I said, sort of that like flow state where you just sort of appreciate where you're at, what you've are able to do what you're currently doing, what milestone that might be. And even if you've done that particular race before, or you've, you've done that particular distance before, just sort of appreciating the time and the space and what you're, what you're doing, because it, I feel like it, you know, it goes by so fast, even like I had this thought the other day about Tahoe, this, this very same thought, like, it's, it was both the longest 96 hours of my life and also the fastest. And I was just like, Oh man, that like, you know, it's like, it was such a cool experience. And all of the races that I've done have been such cool experiences and they've gone by so slow and so fast simultaneously. Yeah. 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 And just thinking too, 
And I remember I got this from, from my coach before of saying, I think the first time when I went to run my first half and she was like, you only get one first half marathon. Yes. Right. Like I only get one first 55 K. Yeah. And so just being there and being Mm -hmm. as present with it as I could Mm -hmm. was amazing. So you get through all that craziness, you get through all the weather, you, I'm so happy that you brought up the point at which you knew you had it. Like you knew you were going to finish. Cause that was one of the things I always ask people is like, at what point did you know, you know, Mm -hmm. people ask me about that, uh, about Tahoe. And I told them like, ah, you know, I, I knew that once I hit the halfway point, I was like, okay, now I have to, you know, so like knowing that there will come a time at some point in the race that you will, that will click for you and you will just have this knowing sense about you. It sounds a little woo woo, but it's sort of like, that just is how you end up feeling. Um, so you get within, I don't know how many miles of the finish where you, st- cause I always start to get like super excited within a certain, you know, frame of the, of the finish line. What, what was that for you? Oof. I, I, I think <laughs> near the end, because at the end you basically came down into like a neighborhood. You, you had to be on a road for a little bit and then got on a trail, right. So they could get us back into town. Um, good news is, in this case, most of it was downhill. So I was just like, all right, just go. So I yep. was able, like I could run some of it, walk some of it, um, was finally back in a space. I shouldn't say finally, but I was in a space now where I had some cell service. So I could text and say, here's about when I think I'll finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of cruised along. Once I hit that point, I feel like it was more like, Ah, uh, just get me to the finish because I really need to take my shoes off. Yeah, my, my feet are sopping wet. My shoes are sopping wet, and I just—I don't know what my toes are gonna look like. So, coming in in that last piece, it was just like, okay, let's go. I think I still was sitting with some like, you've got this. Like, wow, this is cool. I also finished about a little over an hour and a half faster than I thought it was going to. Nice. Which was cool. I was like, okay, that's fun. But yes, those last couple of miles, I definitely was to the point of, I'd really like this to be over. (laughs) It's kind of where I was at at that point. I was wet. I wanted real food. I wanted my shoes off. Like that's where I was at at the end of that. Yeah. I love that. I think everybody goes through that phase too. Right. And we think, I, I believe we either go into it and come out of it thinking it's going to be all good or it's going to be all bad. And we talked about this a lot in the group, like there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows Mm -hmm. after every high is a low ever after every low is a high, you just have to learn to sort of ride the wave. And so, yeah, most people, especially if you have a race where you experience some weather that's outside the norm, like, and it's, mostly either just getting wet or being too hot or too cold that will force you to be like, okay, yeah, what is it? Are we done yet? Like, is it time? Like, let's, let's, you know, I want to shower. I want real food. I want to be warm or I want to be cooled off or whatever it is. (laughs) As soon as they cut my timing chip off, I right there pretty much just bent over and 
started untying my shoes. My daughter's there. She's like, mom, what do you need? Can I, and I was like, I need to take my shoes off. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just want my shoes off. Do you have my sandals? And I walked for a bit, even barefoot. Yeah on the cold sidewalk because it felt so good. Yeah. So that's one of the main things I remember at the end of this race. Uh. <laughs> so if you think about it now, like from this perspective, uh, if you had it to do over again, would you do anything differently? Would you stay the same? What would you, what would you do differently? Train training. Like yeah. there's some pieces in, my training plan. I've already mentioned this strength training. Mm. Um, I definitely would incorporate more strength training, not sprain my ankle, though that's not in my control. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, I think if any, really, I would just adjustments to the training in terms of being more consistent with mm. it and adding some of those pieces. Like I did a lot of, I, a lot of heel work mm -hmm. for this event, just because there was such a tremendous amount of climbing up mm -hmm. and down, but I didn't necessarily do much sp speed work. Mm. I would probably incorporate that a little bit more. So I'd say some, some strength and speed work would be adjustments and then just the consistency piece, improving that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, hindsight, I always like to ask that question because hindsight is twenty twenty, right? And sometimes we, what I've experienced in running this group and, and working with athletes and, and coaching a lot of athletes from 50K to 100 miles and is we go into it thinking we need to know everything. We get freaked out when we don't know everything about how to train, what the process will be like. And what we end up coming out the other side with is, okay, I didn't do that bad, right? With, mm -hmm. with the things I was able to do here are, and then here are a list of the things that I want to improve upon, just like you said, for the next time around. And that, that is the iterative process of training. We never, we never get it a hundred percent on the first try or ever. And it's always just one is, could the next iteration be just 10% better than the last iteration? And that's how we continue to not only improve our speed or our pace or our finishing time or our, um, distance that's how we move up in distance or difficulty level and yeah just not not going into it thinking oh, I have to nail this in order for it to mean something or or in order for it to be quote-unquote good or or whatever and then having that sort of growth mindset um throughout the process of okay well, I'm gonna do the best I can and you've sort of proven that that's your that was your MO, right? <laughs> Through this whole process, overcoming all these obstacles, having this continual growth mindset of, okay, well, I'm just going to do the best that I can with what I've got right now and keep moving forward despite all of the challenges that I'm going to face along the way. And I think the people who operate with that mindset are the most I'm going to use the word successful, and that doesn't always mean that you are winning or you are the fastest or whatever. I just think you have the most success and enjoyment and fulfillment in this sport when you can approach it from that perspective. And that's coming from someone who was like very 
not like very fixed mindset back in the day where it was like, I either did it right or wrong. And if I didn't do it right, then I failed. So (laughs) I have been on both sides of this coin. (laughs) So what's next? Do you have any, have any plans, any ideas, any goals? I do actually um, remember that Antelope Canyon 50 Mm -hmm. miler that I talked about back in 2020. So um, they've been gracious enough to allow me each year to keep moving it. One year I just had to have a move it because I didn't get in and register soon enough. Mm -hmm. But I think that's worked out fine. So March 2023, I'll be doing the Antelope Canyon 50 miler. Love it. Um, So yeah, I'm so excited. Like, everyone go look it up. The pictures are stunning. Mm -hmm. And Antelope Canyon apparently is one of the most photographed places in the world. Uh So I think it's just going to be amazing. And I definitely know like from this, I love what you just asked of what I would do differently because I know strength training needs to get put in there. Speed work needs to get put in there. This one has um, 15 hour time Mm -hmm limit. So I know that I've got to work on my speed. I am definitely going to have to be faster. The good thing about it is I'm not climbing, you know, Mm -hmm. 3000 feet at one point, (laughs) coming down 3000 feet. So I know that's going to help some, but those are some shifts in my focus for, for this training for that 50 miler. Well, after you finish that one, you'll have to come back and tell us all about that one as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Next spring we can chat about that. And then actually from you, which we'll see how the 50 mile goes. I'm assuming I'm going to like it, but I never knew because then when you talk about jumping in distances, I was like, well, after a 50, is it a hundred? And you were the one who who was like, Shan, there's 70 Ks. I was like, oh. There is. So I've already like Googled and found some of those. I don't mm-hmm. know if that'll necessarily work in 2023, but mm-hmm. um, 70Ks, 100Ks. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see how this 50 miler goes. I definitely want to do some work in a training plan and, and then just be able to go out and enjoy that event in March. I love it. I love it. Do you have anything um, that you want to share with maybe some, any women who are contemplating doing their first 50 K they're sort of like on the fence. Like, what would you, what would you tell someone who was listening to this and thinking, I don't know, I can't do it. Or she's got more practice than me, or she's got more experience or. Yeah, do it. Like just do it. I mean, (laughs) even if you, you're going to have time leading up to a 50 K to do some, if you wanted it to be a race or an event, like hopefully in planning your training or the 50 K you pick, there'd be some events you could do. Mm -hmm. You could also just go out and run that distance. That to me is so bizarre. Some of the running groups I follow, people are like ran a marathon today. And I'm like, that's so weird. Why would you just go do that for fun? Yet that's what I'm going to be doing as I train for this 50 miler. Right. Um, But yeah, I say do it. Definitely join the Run Your First 50K Facebook group. That's that's fun. I love the questions that people ask. Sometimes like I even like just going in there and being like, hey, I think I even said it about the ankle smush. I'm mm. like, <laughs> seriously, ankle smush for the win. Um, do some shakedowns. Just do some of these things. But I think it's one of the most... I don't know. I think it's liberating. Mm. It's exhilarating. It's confidence building and not just in this area of your life when it comes to like ultra running, like every, it, it 
bleeds over and affects other areas of your life as well. So yeah, like don't wait. I mean, you can think, oh, I'll do it when blah, 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 blah. Like don't, like just do it. (laughs) I feel like I'm looking at myself in a mirror or hearing myself in an echo (laughs) when you say those things. Cause that's, that's my, that's, that's how I feel about it too. You know, like why wait? Like it's, there's never going to be the perfect time. Like you proved that, right? Like you went through all of that stuff and you were still able to come out on top, finish your race, overcome all those obstacles. And now you're going to go on to do 50 miles. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I'm excited. I love it. Join us. It's a fun adventure. Do it. Woohoo. Well, thank you for spending some time talking about your experience. I know people will find it valuable. Like I said, sort of before we hit record here, that like, I feel as though the more conversations that we have and the more people that I can talk to from different backgrounds, different ages, different ability levels, different um, mindsets, you know, that it will make this whole idea that I have that like every woman should do an ultra more common and more accessible because you won't just think, well, you know, I've seen all the YouTube documentaries of ultra runners and they're all um, super tall, thin men and women who are very, very fast, (laughs) right? Like that is not the case for me. That's not the case for uh, many of the women that I have worked with, um, not only one-on-one, but like in the group context as well. Like we are from all different backgrounds, all different ages. Like I didn't start running long distances. Like I didn't run my first marathon until I was 30. I didn't run my, you know, first hundred miles until I was 40. It took me 10 years to get from 50 K or marathon to hundred miles, you know, like, so everybody comes at it from a different angle. Everybody has a different trajectory and there's no one right way to do it, I think. But I know for sure that my life has improved. I don't even know if that I could quantify it like a thousand fold, a million fold. I don't know. But by taking up this sport and putting my putting a bunch of challenges in front of myself and saying, okay, here you go, <laughs> like figure out how you're going to do it. And every time I do one, I come out the other side, a, a better, stronger, more resilient person than when I went in. Agreed. Yes. That's why I can't wait for you to do 50 miles. So if you can do 55K, just just think what you could do after 50 right. miles. <laughs> That's when incremental jumps, right? Because yeah. what is that? Like another, I don't know, 14, 16 miles, 16, yeah. something like that. Then the 70K is just like another little jump like that to, mm-hmm. you know, 100. We'll see. We'll see. The slippery slope to 100. You'll get there. <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed that conversation with Shannon. She is one of my favorites, has so much energy, so many amazing questions, and she's a prime example of someone who just persevered throughout the whole process. She had a bunch of ups and downs, but she never let it get to her, and she finished her first 55K. So congrats to Shannon. I wanted to read you a little bit of feedback that I got from another group member, Dana, about the program, because I don't know if you guys heard, but this most recent round was the last one for 2023. And the next round starts in January. And while it might seem like a ways away, it's literally right around the corner. So here's what Dana had to say about the program. 
If you're looking to break into the world of ultras and don't know where to start, this is a fantastic program. I've never spent money on something like this, but after I look at the six weeks and all of the information that was provided, the chance to receive one-on-one coaching and the opportunity to be part of a group of women who are in the same boat as you, it was completely worth it. I will say that you will get out of this program what you put into it. So communicate with the other women and with Megan, share your goals, share your hard things, ask questions. And if you're committed to the process, it will make a difference. I love this feedback from Dana because I 100% agree with her. It is the most amazing group of women. You'll see on the podcast, I have more of these conversations lined up that no two women are the same. No two 50Ks are the same. And there is no one right way to get to your first 50K. But if you're looking to, as Dana said, break into the world of ultras and you don't know where to start, you feel confused or overwhelmed or like, "Ah, I just don't know what to do. I don't know where to begin. This is the place for you. And I have some really cool announcements that I'm not quite ready to share yet about the program, but the next round is going to start in January, specifically on Monday, January 9th. And so if you are looking to be a part of the live coaching group and get those one-on-one interactions with me, the coaching, and to be part of that exclusive community of the Run Your First 50K women and these alumni, then this is the place that you want to be. So you can't just sign up and participate in the group, you have to actually apply. And in order to do that, you'll go to www.runyourfirst50k.com. So runyourfirst50k.com, all one word smashed up together. And that's where you'll find more information about the program and the link to apply for the next round. And basically what I do is I read all of those applications. I send you a follow-up email with a few clarifying questions just to help me figure out how to help you better in that live coaching group. And if you have some concerns or you're not sure if you're a good fit for the program, definitely just go ahead and apply, fill out that application like I would also tell people, give me as much information as you can in there so that I know how to help you best. And then we can trade emails back and forth. So that group coaching program starts on Monday, January 9th. You've got a couple weeks to get your application in there. And then I'm going to start filling that program early because I want to have it all lined up and ready to go before January 1st. All right. So Go to runyourfirst50k.com and keep your eyes and ears peeled for more conversations about women running their first 50K and some announcements about the program in general. All right, you guys, that's all for this episode. Enjoy this beat and I'll see you all soon. 